Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Irrational Confidence, a basketball podcast created by three dudes who love basketball and, just like their favorite players, have the irrational confidence to let every take fly. Here you'll find weekly episodes on league news and transactions, team updates and performances, and fun debates on our favorite NBA topics. My name is Lino, and I'm joined by our hosts, Kaylin and Micah. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the Irrational Confidence Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. My name is Micah, and as always, I am joined by my fellow hosts, Lino and Kaylin. We have a ton of fun topics to get into today multiple trades coach firing and maybe some discussions of a couple teams Um, but we do want to start today on an important note but it is a somber one Um, there's a passing in the NBA coaching family this past week since we recorded Um, Dayan Miolovic of the Golden State Warriors he's an assistant coach passed away at 46 years old He had worked with a lot of players from the Serbian area, including Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jovic, Bogdan Bogdanovic, a lot of great players. And, you know, when someone passes, a lot of stories and things come out about them. And he seems like just an overall great human being. Um, So very sad to hear that passing. But we felt it was important to start the show with that because, you know, it's important to pay our respects and wish well to his family. So. No good way to move on from that, but we did want to start there. And we're going to move on to maybe the most shocking news that came out today. We're recording on January 23rd, and that was that Adrian Griffin was fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, That, you know, there's been some rumblings, some some issues uh, over the past, you know, few months of the season. But I think everyone is fairly surprised by this. Uh, Kaylin, I want to throw it to you first. What were your initial thoughts when this news broke? <clears throat> My initial thought was that I did love the uh, the chutzpah that it takes to do something like this. Uh, I, I I respect that, and I think that if, in their expert opinion, you know, they feel like he's not the guy, they've seen enough. Um, I mean, why keep him around? Because you feel like, oh, well, maybe it's not fair. Well, you know, this is not, you know. Fair is a place where they judge pigs, right? But on second thought, like when I gave it some more thought and I saw who they were thinking about hiring, I kind of wanted to backpedal because it's really risky to fire your coach in the middle of the season when the team is performing well enough, at least so far. There's still, you know, still another half of the season to kind of right the ship. Um, so it's not like he was out of time. and. If they hire the wrong guy, then this is a disaster. Um, so it, it depends on how you feel about Doc Rivers. Maybe they won't go that direction. Um, but as of right now, I like the move if they can get this next hire correct. Uh, otherwise, I think it might be a disaster. What, what, what do you think, Lee? Thank you for asking. This is insanity. Truly. From the moment the story dropped and the more we learn about the situation in Milwaukee, it just gets weirder and weirder. 
you know, we've had plenty of stories so far throughout the season about Adrian Griffin and the team and some of the struggles that they've had. Uh, we haven't really published this as a video yet, but I'm using air quotations around struggles because, as we know, this team is second in the East, really around sec- tied for second in the league as far as wins and losses are concerned. They've got one of the best offenses and obviously struggle on defense, but at the end of the day, they've won 30 games on pace to win a lot more. Uh, and while they have some things to fix and some struggles, they are by no means a team that is in a worse situation than some other coaches who are on the hot seat right now. And so to fire a coach in his first, what feels like his first year, as a coach and as a head coach and who's really trying to figure things out and to only give him what has amounted to maybe six months uh, with a team that acquired a brand new superstar player just feels unfair to say the least. And when we think about who they're trying to replace him with, it just gets weirder. And not only are there rumors that they're trying to sign Doc Rivers, but we also find out that he's been unofficially off the record advising Adrian Griffin on the side. And it's like, okay, if this guy has been in the room with all these decisions that are being made and you guys hate how the decisions are being made, why are you hiring someone or thinking about hiring someone who was there advising on the decisions? I guess there's like a scenario where he's been kind of the opposing force in the room um, trying to maybe be devil's advocate for a different style of basketball in the coaching room with Adrian Griffin. And maybe they just want to go with that style. But I think we've seen the results of Doc Rivers led teams. And if they want to get past the second round, I don't know that that's the guy to go with. And so to see a team that's doing way better then really the rest of the teams uh, go this route so dramatically. And what sometimes feels like without cause is just very bewildering to me. So I'm very curious to see what Micah thinks about this. Yeah, it it was really interesting, kind of all the different places my mind went. Uh, I immediately went back to that weird Terry Stott story from the beginning of the year where the athletic reported there's some kind of conflict between Terry Stotts, who was an assistant coach uh, brought on, you know, to help out this year because he was Damian Lillard's former head coach. And so he's on the staff. There's some kind of issue at a practice and Terry Stotts just quits. It sounds like the next day. And with, you know, hindsight's 2020, but looking back now, I almost wonder was Terry Stotts, the organization's backup plan in this situation. You know, was he the the Ty Lu to this David Blatt? And did that create pressure? You know, w- was there any time there was a disagreement? Maybe I, the reporting was saying the players were siding more with Stotts. You know, did they, did um Adrian Griffin feel threatened by that? You know, we, we can't know, but it is really interesting now to put all the tea leaves back together now that it has led to this. And Lino, like you alluded to, the Doc Rivers thing is so interesting because it's like, Okay, you had this guy set up as like a consultant with your new head coach. But like you said, was it some an ally or was he like reporting back to higher ups about like what he thought he should or shouldn't be doing? There's also conflicting reporting. You know, Sham Sharania is making it out to be like the Bucks and Doc are working on this deal while 
you know, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is saying like they've had no contact, but expect to have some soon. And there's a lot of politics with coaching in general because, you know, you don't want to step on another coach's toes. So it's all really interesting. But in, in terms of my opinion, I, I get the move. This is an all-in team, and they made an all-in move. But they didn't have somebody, it sounds like, lined up other than maybe Doc Rivers. And I'm I'm not a fan of that move per- personally. Uh, if you want to be a title contender, I think Doc can be a good coach, and especially for a veteran team, could work. But I, I am a little nervous about his kind of fit with this team. So, uh, Kaylin, I want to throw it to you back. Any thoughts on that in general or maybe more specifically on Doc's fit with this Bucks team? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Doc Rivers. So, um, I think that Doc, he's a guy, he, he, he can definitely get you to the playoffs uh, when he has the appropriate roster. There, there's no... Uh, if fans are but so I'm not saying that like he's a complete like washout like doesn't belong in the league that's ridiculous um but that being said um Doc his last year in Philly uh, if I'm not mistaken uh heavy pick and roll offense the granted he did have James Harden so I mean, that's kind of what James Harden does but at the same time you you see that now the Nick Nurse is there they're uh leaning way more towards the the handoffs the uh, you know, just a lot of motion, and you've seen what it's done for Joel Embiid's um, assist. Joel Embiid's passing the ball like crazy this year, and it's really just a lot of, like, easier looks, easier reads for him, uh, and it's really a great offense that the, you know, Sixers have been flourishing in, and you've seen Embiid scoring numbers. Um, and I think that's kind of where the Bucks messed up. Like, Nick Nurse was – that like Nick Nurse was, was it seemed like he was going to take the Milwaukee job. It seemed it seemed like that's where all things were going, and then all of a sudden Nick Nurse pulls out of the Milwaukee job, and you have to wonder if that's not what uh, Giannis uh, wanted. It kind of seems like he's running the show here, which is why I think you know that's probably a big reason why that uh, Adrian Griffin got fired was because Giannis didn't want him there anymore, and those kind of the reports was that Giannis had lost faith in him and. Um, I think that I don't, I don't begrudge them for making this move. Like if, if they think that he wasn't the guy, then yeah, this is a, this is a win now team. Like you don't want to go into the playoffs and, oh, well, you know, well, let's just kind of see. Um, but that being said, uh, I, I don't think you can go doc rivers and, and then what just kind of spam the the pick and rolls i mean that's what everybody kind of wanted right we're not seeing a lot of the uh pick and rolls um you know Giannis isn't really setting too many screens for damian lillard that's what people talked about whenever the first the trade first went down uh how epic the uh, screen and roll game and they're not doing a ton of that and i'm not sure if that's all adrian griffin i think Giannis is not super interested in doing that in my personal opinion uh so it's going to be interesting to see what type of Offensive scheme particular, because that's what uh, Bucks Brass talked about uh, when they let him go. They they want to see Damian Lillard maximize because I think as some of the execs, maybe not all, but I think some people in the room have been watching this team like, damn, maybe we should have just kept Drew and kept doing what we were doing. We did put a championship, but that was working. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Do y'all think there's any like buyer's remorse with that? I feel like that's kind of been a, a weird situation. Uh, Dane made some weird comments about the mm-hmm. offense and stuff. It's It's been a weird situation with uh, Dame so far. 
It has. And and I'm glad you brought that up because that was another point in this whole discussion that I wanted to get into. So, you know, the Lillard acquisition was always going to make your team more offensively oriented than it, than it had been previously. But I don't know if anyone saw it being to this extreme of a degree because I saw a good stat today that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. So I, I saw a stat today that was in the Budenholzer era. The Bucks were top 10 in offense every year until last year. So they are top two now. They're almost number one. So it's not like their offense isn't great, mm-hmm. but it's also not like it had been awful and it's this huge flip. So is how much better they are in offense worth this huge drop off in defense? And then I think the other part of this that you always have to consider, it's not something the Bucks could necessarily control, but if you give them hindsight, do they do this deal, especially with the fact in mind that Drew Holiday is going to Boston? Because I think that's something that, you know, complicates the whole issue. You know, they made arguably their biggest Eastern Conference rival better. You know, no no one's worrying about what Boston gave up in that deal. Right. So, you yeah, know, it, was that worth doing? Yeah, it feels like they kind of it feels like Portland kind of screwed them right after <laughs> it was like, OK, yeah, we'll take on Drew and then we're going to send them right back to your main competition. Actually, that's probably the last thing they wanted to happen. And so it's such a weird situation with Dame. And I was curious, do you guys feel like, you know, we talk about coach killers and things of that nature. But when it comes to giving credits out for who was responsible for this uh, assassination attempt on Adrian Griffin's career. Uh, would you guys say this was something that both Giannis and Dame probably, you know, we don't know these guys, but is this something that they both came to an agreement on and went to the front office and were like, hey, I don't like how this is going. Oh, me neither. Let's try to figure somebody else out for this situation. Or do you feel like they might even also be at odds in this situation? Where do you guys feel like the temperature looks like in the room for them? It's interesting because the reporting I've seen, like from the athletic and stuff, made it seem like Adrian Griffin was Giannis's guy in the mm-hmm. hiring process. And that was before Giannis had signed the extension. It was before the Dame trade. So there was a lot of unknowns in Milwaukee. And then it went from that to, at least I'm assuming now, Giannis has made several comments that makes it seem like, oh, this is no longer my guy. And if the front office was already kind of did it as a favor to Giannis, then I think that probably ended up being the nail in the coffin. But Kalen, what do you think about that? Um, I think the Bucks are they're really letting the stars do too much here. Um I I think that they're just deathly afraid of losing Giannis and mm-hmm. it's going to be the reason they lose Giannis. And that's <laughs> really ironic, but when you kind of look back at and imagine like all these dominoes falling. Um, since they won their championship, uh, you know the Chris Middleton injury, and I, I feel like um, them not hiring Nick Nurse, which is um, nobody's going to tell you Adrian Griffin is a better coach than Nick Nurse. Nobody thinks that, right? So you pretty much hire the inferior coach because of Giannis and. They did the they did the the Damian Lillard trade because of those comments that Giannis made um, in the media talking about how he wanted a organization that was going to be as committed and they were going to do everything it takes and spend X Y Z money 
I don't think they were just waking up, thinking, hey, you guys think we should move off of Drew Holiday? I, don't, I think that they were thinking, oh, well, we have to do something. Like, like he wants us to do something. Well, what are we going to do? Uh, Drew for Dame. And I just I just feel like they, like, Giannis is not, <laughs> like, there are a few stars anybody should listen to in terms of, like, how good they are. But But even then, like, look at some of the things that, like, LeBron James has told the Lakers to do in terms of, like, the Russell Westbrook stuff. You just can't listen to these guys on this stuff. So, like, if, if that's kind of your angle on that, then I – even though I think that I'm not upset with them uh, letting Adrian Griffin go, I definitely see the other side where you think this is crazy. Like, like the offense is cooking. They're second in the East. Like, and they still have 40-plus games to kind of right the ship. Like, games. like I, I, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, and as miserable as things have been, I'm like, hey, still have half a season, but Brown will figure it out. Like Giannis is a champion. Like, give him a chance. Like, but at the same time, if Giannis is the one telling you to fire him, what are you gonna do? You've already uh, showed that he runs the show. You're not gonna switch it up now because that could probably anger him. If you're not gonna do, hey man, I, I don't like this coach, and they're saying no, Giannis, you have to sit with him. Well, then in in uh, uh you know a year and a half when his contract is up, he's gonna leave. So mm-hmm. they're just really just, stuck, man. It's a tough situation. And it just seems so rash. Like, it just feels like it came out of nowhere. It didn't feel like we were, you know, we were getting things that maybe he'd lost, uh, like Giannis had lost faith in Coach Griffin. But, you know, we weren't getting, like, Adrian Griffin on the hot seat. Should they fire Adrian Griffin stories, like, every week, like we've seen with some other coaches in the league right now. And so for this to happen so fast, and it just feels so irrational when it comes to the sense of, like, if Adrian Griffin is – truly having a hard time this season coaching this team and you're not getting the results you want. Well, now if you fired him and even if this ship was going to sink anyways, because the writing was on the wall, it's just going to look like it happened because you changed coaches in the middle of a great season. Whereas if you were to wait till the end of the season, got the, you know, the results of what a full season's work can do and see where they got into the playoffs, which I think they would have, you know, ultimately not made it to the championship, but Coach Griffin would have at least been able to show what his whole plan was and what he was building towards with this team and with the philosophies he brought to the locker room. But now all you've done is say that that wasn't going to work, but the only evidence he has is this 30 and 13 season. And so after this, if you guys go 13 and 30, (laughs) you're in such a terrible situation. Lean, that's a great point. I think that what we should consider is that there's certainly a world where this iteration of the Bucks team, it's going to lose in the second round no matter who's coaching it. Like, it, it, it almost doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And in my opinion, when this first on this trade first came down, was that it was going to take a year because the roster was not ready. And when you make a big move like that, it, it oftentimes takes like a full offseason to kind of restructure, move some things around, and get the right pieces in there. Like, these aren't championship pieces. You know, maybe they can make a move at the deadline, but I don't care who's coaching the team. You're not going to win a championship with Malik Beasley. Uh, as you're starting mm-hmm. to, you know, guarding, you know, real players. And then Damian Lillard is not a guy that should escape all the blame here. He's averaging near career lows uh, in field goal percentage, three-point percentage. Like, he's kind of a hit-or-miss guy on certain nights. He doesn't really show up. And obviously, you know, we know that he is bad defensively. I, I think most people know that, but I think it was almost understated. I feel like I heard – uh, some chatter about, oh, well, you know, Dame's a strong player. He's an athlete. Now, you know, he's going to compete. No, no, he's not going to do any of that. He, he does not have that motor on that end of, of, the, of the basketball. Dude can't navigate screens. He's just, he's just not who he is, 
right? Mm-hmm. So when when he's not shelling you from the three point line, like it is, it's tough. He's not giving you a whole lot. So I, a lot of this, a, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you you bring up such a great point in that the Dame side of this thing is what makes it even weirder because you see some stories about Dame not really being satisfied satisfied with his role in the offense or not really feeling like he likes the way the offense is run right now. And so you go to look at his numbers and you expect to see this huge drop off. And well, of course his usage is down like three or 4%, but you know, you're playing next to Giannis Antetokounmpo, like you're not going to get every single possession, but you know, his percentages for his looks are down, but his productivity is around the same. You know, he's averaging on his career 25, four and six, and that's what he's averaging this season. So it's like, unless you just don't like the way you get the shots you get now, I just can't see you being so upset that you would petition for a coach to be fired. But for all intents and purposes, it seems like the team or the stars of this team came together to influence this decision. And uh, so seeing his numbers not look like he's had a huge drop off from uh, the amount of shots he gets to take and the amount of points and how involved he is, uh, on the statistical level, maybe the eye test says differently. Maybe when you're watching the Bucks, he really doesn't look like he gets to do what he likes to do out there. But I just, Micah, are you feeling any of this? Do you feel like Dame has had a really weird role to play in this? Yeah, no, I think you guys are are hitting on so many great points. And I was sitting here listening as like a fan for a second. I forgot I was supposed to be like ready to interject because yeah, you guys are just like. It's so true. And, and you know, obviously we're Heat fans, so we're biased. But the fact that this all started with Damian Lillard getting traded to a place that wasn't on his list, wasn't yep. his number one option. And, and Dame's a pro, and he wanted to play with Giannis and wants to win a title. So it's not mm-hmm. like they sent him to an awful situation. But the vibes have been weird from the jump. And the whole Adrian Griffin thing just adds to that. My only thing, as we're discussing this, there is a – uh, Woj tweet saying now they have reached out to Doc Rivers to talk about the coaching position where it's like, yeah, of course, like we all already knew that. But my thing is the front office especially must just feel like he's lost the locker room, that there's not buy-in. And Doc Rivers, you know, say what you will about him, usually can get buy-in from vets. Will he make a lot of, you know, adjustments in the playoffs? Probably not. But he can probably get Lillard to fight over screens a little more. He can probably get Giannis to set a few more picks for Lillard. Does that change their championship ceiling significantly? Not in my opinion, but it probably will make the product look better for the next 40 games. But they are playing the mystery box game. They they could be dead wrong. I could be dead wrong. And, and the Doc Rivers thing could be worse. And and I would say we could spend time talking about other candidates. But as I'm saying, it, it sounds like it's Doc. So which is mind-blowing to think about but that's you know something else to get to so uh i think that probably is is a good place to end here i want to give you guys both an opportunity to give any closing thoughts on this whole situation uh lino i'll throw it to you first you know what just to round it out what do you think of this whole situation very strange very weird but the silver lining to all this uh that you guys kind of talked about in the discord today shout out to jamal um but you know we're pretty tired of hearing doc rivers on the broadcast at this point and so if this job is going to get him out of there and get jvg back in there i've not always been the biggest fan of jvg as a color commentator but in his absence i have realized his value and i would love to have him back 
<laughs> rather than some of the people we've had to listen to during basketball games. So if this is what this all leads to, then, hey, more power to you. It's all in the divine plan. But uh, otherwise, it's just a super strange situation in Milwaukee. Yeah, M- Milwaukee, just think, is Doc Rivers a long-term or short-term? If you hire Doc Rivers and he loses in the second round, do you extend him? What do you well, did you hire hire another hire a third coach hire a fourth coach who knows so uh, I I don't know I, I've really said all about <laughs> everything I got man yeah well well said by both of you we covered a lot there but just super fascinating news today uh, we're gonna move on to something else which for me and Lino is a lot more exciting so we had a trade today January twenty third a trade that's been a few weeks in the making if you've been paying attention uh, Terry Rozier was traded to the Miami Heat from the Charlotte Hornets. For Terry, uh, Charlotte received Kyle Lowry, which is effectively matching salary and expiring contract, and a lottery-protected 2027 first-round pick. So, Lino, I just want to throw it to you first. Initial reactions on Rogier to the Heat. Pat Riley, they said you were a sleepy boy. They said you was taking a nap during the dang summer league. They said you were taking a nap at the last trade deadline. When Beal came through, we didn't get him. They were blaming you. When Dame came through, we didn't get him. They were blaming you. But you had something cooking all along, my boy, and I appreciate it. I am so excited to have Terry Rogier on our basketball team. After years of watching him cook our very poor defensive guard core, um, it's just nice that we get to watch him in a Heat jersey. It's exactly what we need right now as a team. We needed to get a little younger in the guard core. We needed a little bit more scoring talent. And Terry Rozier brings both of those things. You know, Respect to Kyle Lowry. I really loved his time here and appreciated what he brought to the team. Uh, sad to see him go, but you, know, you can't keep everybody. And he just isn't on that list of players that are untouchable at this time. And so... I hope he gets to, you know, maybe get a buyout and go wherever he wants to go with the rest of his career. Um, but super excited to see Terry in a Heat uniform. Uh, Kalen, what did you, uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about this trade so far? Bro, Heat fans are so funny. Uh, I think <clears throat> if the team is winning, then the GM president is good and we love him. The team's losing, the GM stinks. Even if he's Pat Riley, get, get that guy out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we doing? Um, I love this trade for you guys just as much as everybody else loves this trade. Um, the last pod we did, I don't know, maybe it's the last one, but I was saying uh, the improvements um, for Miami was to upgrade either K Love or Kyle Lowry, and a couple weeks later they upgrade Kyle Lowry. So that's, I mean, that's perfect. That's literally what I thought the team needed. Uh, Scary Terry is a dynamic point guard, a guy I like, really shifty, uh, definitely not afraid, you know, to take make big shots in the playoffs, so no worries there. Definitely a, a heat culture type player, plays with the chip on the shoulder and attitude, so he's going to be a great fit both uh, on the court and in the locker room, so no worries there. Um, getting off of uh, Kyle, you know, that Kyle Lowry deal for – you know, only a, a future uh, lottery protected pick. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good price. I think you guys can feel pretty good good with that one. Uh, doesn't taste like vinegar going down. Um, all in all, super 
lucky that there was a team that was like, yeah, here, it's fine. You know, like that often doesn't happen, especially if you're a team like Miami or a team like the Lakers. I mean, not, you know, people don't like you guys. You guys win and you guys get a lot of players. So uh, always awesome to see a team willing to play ball like that, especially, uh, you know, we're still in January. It's not even February yet. So that was pretty awesome on the timing. Um, just got to get healthy. Got to was out to get healthy, stay healthy, and uh, we'll see how it works. But I'm sure Spo is going to have a field day with this for sure. No question. Definitely. I, I was so excited when this news came across. I think I can speak for all Heat fans when there is that little bit of uh, anxiety when all these trade rumors start to swirl stemming from the summer that was not acquiring Damon Lillard. Because it just, Kalen, like you alluded to, you start thinking of it rationally, which we're not supposed to do on this podcast for the record, but you start thinking of it and you're like, well, yeah, why wouldn't Charlotte wait till the deadline? Like they might as well see if, you know, so-and-so strikes out on DeJounte Murray and maybe now they'll do two first for Terry Rozier. So I think they think they can get something for Kyle Lowry's expiring, which is probably what motivated them to go ahead and do it. But regardless of the reason, I'm thankful this is like two and a half extra weeks of Terry Rozier as opposed to getting him at the trade deadline. And you guys hit on a lot of it, but he's going to be so helpful for Miami's offense and specifically Miami's offensive players. They're, everybody's role is going to be reduced slightly. Rozier has like a 27% usage in Charlotte. That's going to come way down. But on the Miami side, Jimmy's usage is going to get to come down a little bit. Tyler's is going to come down a little bit. I think Lowry was at like a, I want to say it was a 13% usage or something, you know, very low. So Rozier can absorb all of that plus some for these other guys. He's a great lob thrower. If you're on Heat Twitter, that's a huge deal because almost no one on this team can throw lobs to Bam. So it's very exciting to add him to this core. Kalen, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm sorry if you already said this. and I missed it. Did you lay out uh, Rozier's uh, contract? No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just, I just uh, pulled up his uh, his spy rack. So he, um, he's signed uh, until you know, 25, 26 season. Uh, guys will be paying him 23 this year, 24 next year, then 26 next year. Uh, then he's an unrestricted free agent uh after that and i'm not totally up to uh miami salary cap thresholds kind of where does that put you guys uh i guess for the rest of i mean you guys can still make another move if possible Mm -hmm. um and then where does that put you guys in the in the summer and moving forward in terms of flexibility yeah so short term it's beneficial because he makes about six and a half million less than lowry this year So Miami now has a little extra room for buyout guys, which is exciting. And and maybe a little extra wiggle room on some trades if they want to package together, you know, Caleb Martin and Thomas Bryant and try and get, you know, Royce O'Neal or, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, one of these kind of stretch four guys they might be looking for. Long term, it adds a lot of money on the books. As you stated, he's got multiple years left and the non-guarantee on his last year of his deal it's almost all fully guaranteed okay so that'll that'll likely um occur and so it was a big commitment by mickey arison a lot of the fan base is pretty critical of heat ownership but he's clearly telegraphing is willing to be a tax-paying team willing to be in that first apron and they'll have to do some some uh strategic movements just to stay under that second apron which is we've all talked about can be uh, pretty worrisome if you're yeah. going to be a front office. So 
yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised they were willing to take on this kind of long term money. And and I think the team realized they needed to do something and they can't keep holding out for these home runs and it's okay to hit a double. So Lino, what do you think of all that? Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was gonna ask about next, and I'll go first about this. But as far as you know, as far as our trade targets, I think there's definitely a realm of heat fandom that is gonna be disappointed that in an era where we were possibly going to get Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell's been in discussion, that we ended up with Terry Rozier, can feel like a bit of a disappointment. Uh, To them, I'd say something very crude, but right now just say, hey, you know, just think about it. It's something we super need, and it's not nearly as expensive, and it fits well with the team that we have right now. And so, like you mentioned, hitting that double is going to be so crucial for us at this point in our season. And so one thing I did want to point out about Terry Rozier that I'm so excited about is the amount of rim pressure we're going to get from him uh, moving forward. You know, Tyler Hero is probably our best scoring guard right now in um, quite a few years now. Um, And he currently this season has taken 41 shots attempts at the rim. Um, whereas Terry Rozier, I'm pretty sure, has taken around 100. And so just absolutely just d- more than doubling the attempts that we're going to see at the rim, hopefully over the next uh, rest of the season. And so that's going to open up so many things for offense. It's going to make a lot of uh, offense much easier for guys like Duncan, Jaime Jaquez, Caleb Martin. Um, the lob threat, like you mentioned, is going to be great for Bam, who just deserves to be able to get those looks because early in his career, those were some of the easiest kind of offense he was able to generate, and he practically gets none of that for the past like two or three years. And so super excited for what this is going to unlock on our offensive side. Um Right now, Micah, do you feel like this makes any changes on the defensive end for us? I'm not super familiar with Rozier's defensive game. So that's one of the things I'm most interested to see. Rozier is a classic case of defended well early in his career in Boston, in the playoffs, in big environments, got traded to a bad situation in Charlotte, and has not really shown a lot of defensive prowess since. And so how much of that is related to age? He is now 30. And how much of that is related to situation? And how much can he scale that back up, especially during a midseason trade? It's not like he has a whole uh, offseason to kind of work on that. So I'll be really interested to see. I think uh, on that point, um, I think it was more than just, um, you know, his age. When he was playing defense in Boston, I think it was also um, his role and how much he – had to do an offense. Obviously, you know, not the number one option. They had uh, several other guys who could handle the ball as well. Um, whereas, you know, in Charlotte, you know, it, it's oftentimes – I feels like it's just him because LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward are so often hurt. He's really the only guy out there that have Dennis Smith Jr. as well. But uh, I think that kind of plays a part into it. And I think anybody coming from a losing team to the heat you're going to expect an uptick on the defensive effort it's, it's just going to be uh natural and yeah so i think that's going to be uh good for y'all dude i was thinking uh how funny it was that i was literally saying the other day that i didn't want to talk charlotte hornets because i was like who the hell is going to listen to that if i put that in the title and then they forced them way they forced themselves into our pocket <laughs> Uh, uh, but but that being said, um, is there 
anything on the Charlotte Hornets side uh, that sticks out to y'all that's worth mentioning? Gosh, not at all. I mean, I guess they're, I guess they're blowing it up. Um, I guess they're going to start just collecting draft assets and starting over. I'm curious to see how far they go with this, you know, trading Terry. But I'm curious if they're going to trade PJ. Are they going to trade? Or can they trade um, Bridges? Like, I don't even know if that's a thing that teams want to take on right now for right. reasons. Uh, what's the, like, I'm sure they're not planning on selling on LaMelo, but you know, what is the plan there? And you mentioned how lucky we got with team, a team that was just like, yeah, that's fine. Here you go. And it reminded me that, you know, sometimes we forget to count when we think about these theoretical trades that not all front offices are ran with the equal amount of intelligence or skill. <laughs> <laughs> so we should always account for one team that's going to make a huge mistake and maybe several. So uh, mm. well, shout out to that. But yeah, Michael, what do you think about the Charlotte Hornets and their future moving forward from this pick or from this trade? Yeah, I, I want to give them props, especially the new ownership really seen like I feel like when new ownership comes in, normally they want to make a big splash. Like that's when you saw like the Pistons trade for Blake Griffin or obviously Matt Ishbia came in and blew up everything Phoenix had going on to bring in Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. So I want to give a ton of credit to Charlotte's new owners because they seem like they're really on track to tear everything down to the studs. All the reporting has been LaMelo Ball, Brandon Miller off the table everybody else is available they currently have 60 million dollars in expiring contracts between gordon hayward and kyle lowry i don't know if a team out there will be willing to attach a first to a horrible long-term contract to get off that money but they certainly could be you know we don't have as many albatrosses out there as there used to be like the you know the john wall contract and things of that nature but they could definitely bring in more picks i know phoenix is interested in miles bridges it's been reported he shouldn't be in the nba but that is the world we're living in right now uh pj washington lino that you mentioned i think could get i think they should keep him i like pj washington but Mm, same young actually i was hoping he would somehow be worked into this deal (laughs) not too late i guess (laughs) Yeah, but so we'll see, you know, how much pick equity they're able to get from all those guys. But yeah, mostly just shout out to them for being able to tear it down because a lot of ownership doesn't have uh, the gumption to do that. Um, Man, I guess that's like the right call. Um, here, Here's my worry. Um, they tear it down. They acquire picks. Okay, so are you rebuilding around LaMelo? And Brandon Miller. And then with with all these picks, you trust the Charlotte Hornets to make the right selections. Uh, you remember when the Sixers were rebuilding their thing? They really when you look back on it, look at all look at what's left. They only have Joel and B. They got one pick right, maybe one mm-hmm. and a half if you count Ben Simmons. But seriously, like they they drafted so many players that like mm-hmm. the Jaleel Okafors that we don't remember and the mm-hmm. you know so so many of those guys uh, that just didn't work out and I feel like Charlotte could be kind of headed for that. I just do not trust them to make the right decision. But I guess what else can you do? You stink. Right. You don't have the right players. You gotta yeah. you gotta try your best <laughs> to be. Yeah, and I so, think it comes and goes. I think teams aren't always the best drafters or the worst drafters, you know, the Warriors kind of 
stunk it up with the draft recently, but that's a fair they also point. drafted Clay Thompson, Draymond that's Green, a fair point. <laughs> Steph Curry, the Thunder uh, have maybe two different eras of drafting really well, but in between those eras is uh, three or four duds uh, during some of their rebuilds. And so mm-hmm. hopefully the Hornets can maybe, especially since it's new ownership, they at least are starting from scratch and have a different reputation than the GMs bef- uh, and ownership prior. And so we'll see what happens. I did want to ask you guys, just uh, go back to the heat here a bit. Um, as far as lineups are concerned, where do you guys see Terry Rozier? Uh, do you see him as like a starter next to Tyler? Do you see him coming off the bench? Or are we moving Tyler back to the bench? And do you feel like this might have some, you know, Issues when it comes to team chemistry, culture, like these guys who've been around. Micah, so, I'll let you go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah go I, I think I think Rogier will start, and I think Tyler will continue to start along with Bam and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the four spot is what becomes most interesting to me now. Uh, recently, it's been Nikola Jovic, who's a young player, and and I like what he's shown. But now that you're leaning more offense with Rozier in there, I think that has to be a good defender. So for me, I would start Haywood Highsmith for now and ideally acquire uh, a this year's P.J. Tucker. Not necessarily actually P.J. Tucker, but a version of a stretch four that can be close to elite defensively um, and to help Jimmy and Bam kind of clean up the messes that might be created by Tyler and hopefully to a lesser extent Terry. And mm-hmm. Kalen, I want to let you hit this as well. But before I swing it to you, Lino, the point you made, and I don't want to cause drama at the beginning of this, but something I haven't seen a lot of people say is this Rogier acquisition suddenly, if he looks good, makes Tyler Hero very expendable because they're the two most similar players on the roster now. Terry makes less money for less time. You could, I mean, who knows, but in theory, Tyler would have trade value to varying degrees, depending on the team. But it's just interesting that now, while I think it will help each other on the court the rest of this season, now that Lowry's gone, Hero's right back to the front of the line as far as available large contracts on this roster. That's tough, man. I think that... (laughs) Poor hero, man. Just never really appreciated here. Yo, you guys should trade him. You don't even deserve him. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know, you we'll take this guy. Cam Reddish and AD. <laughs> you can <Okay>. have him. <laughs> that was uh, perfect. You get him with the first name, but then you just sneak it right, out. Name it. <laughs> um, no, definitely Terry Razier in the starting lineup for sure. No question. I think it's interesting when you bring up that power forward spot because um, – team is just doesn't have a power forward is that what we're doing <laughs> it's gonna throw Caleb Martin out there every time <laughs> the power <laughs> forward the power forward is Jimmy Butler but, but we he doesn't want to be that we don't tell like Jimmy that. that he's the power forward he really doesn't like to hear it he gets very angry uh, but when he's on the floor he's pretty much playing the four uh point forward for us uh, I will say I think honestly it's been funny because I've been watching this Jovic resurgence he's been getting so many minutes um some of its health reasons like we're missing some guys but some of it's definitely optional like we have other guys we could go to and we normally would throughout the season and so for a long time i was like oh gosh this is the Jovic trade tour they're just trying to up his value to ship him out for some other pieces but i 
was surprised to see that Kyle Lowry was one that ended up being moved. But bringing Terry Rozier in here, I'd have to take a look at what the numbers look like for him and transition offense. But I feel like maybe he can help push the pace. And I like Jovic in that position, pushing the pace with him. I think he does a decent job of, you know, running. He's very fast. Like, he loves to get after it uh, each possession. And I think it's also a very um, much built into his style of basketball to try to get those easy transition buckets. And so if him, Rogier, and uh, the rest of the starting lineup can really develop that kind of chemistry and move the ball in that way. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Kevin Love is a guy – who loves transition basketball and could be in that position and probably can't play as many minutes as we'd want him to, but uh, he's very effective in that role too. So very curious to see how this lineup goes moving forward. Um, but as far as, you know, we talked about possible other Hornets moves. Uh, are we predicting any other moves before the deadline for the Miami Heat at this time? Does that include buyout guys? Uh, yeah, we could talk buyout guys too. I think I you know you never know who will get bought out and Miami's limited in who they can acquire through buyout because of the new CBA. Um, but if I had to guess, I feel like this will be their only move. I think they'd love to acquire Dorian Finney-Smith, but they now only have one first-round pick they can trade until the draft, and I, it's hard to imagine them doing that for DFS. Um, so so maybe that his value you know maybe the cost won't be as high, or maybe there's a similar player that will be available for less. But the fact that they traded their best movable salary in Lowry and that they're kind of short on picks now, it's it's hard to see it for me. Um, yeah, probably uh, maybe another move around the margins. But, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, D'Lo has been a guy that I've known we're going to trade all year. This, this Miami Heat team, they really had that Lakers backcourt with the Terry Rozier Tyler Hero, D'Lo, Austin Reeves kind of thing where they, mm-hmm. they you know, they, they kind of overlap a little bit in ways you don't like. Um, so maybe that is something that you might want to break up. It's almost funny. The Miami Heat really are kind of similar to the Lakers with the veteran star forward and Jimmy and the defensive center who can't score. And this really is a, a Lakers-looking team, which is <laughs> kind of funny. But I think that overlap might might come back to bite you guys a little bit with – uh, Rozier and Hero. It doesn't mean you can't make it work, uh, especially when you have Eric Spolstra on your team. Um, but uh, in the in the future, maybe even this offseason, that's probably some more chatter. Get ready, Hero. It's going to be every more summer. Ch- more, <laughs> more chatter. Every summer. They don't want you, bro. They, they don't appreciate I don't know, you, man. I don't know. As soon as, well, he just has to last until Jaime Jaquez gets his first contract. If he can make it that far, then Jaime Jaquez immediately becomes the next guy. <laughs> that can be traded. Uh, but I guess at that point, you know. Zach Lowe said on his podcast today, he's talking about the Heat and future trades and stuff. And he said he didn't think the trade the Heat would trade Jaime Hawkes for anything less than a top 10 player. I agree. I think that's very uh, that accurate. That broke my How the Miami Heat feel about the yeah, I mean, that's true. And Whether also, it's I, rational. I have right. no comments, but <laughs> we're talking about starting lineups, but closing lineups, I expect Jaime to be in all of those. Oh, absolutely. And, and Kalen, like you alluded to, there might be playoff matchups where they can't afford to have uh, Rogier and Hero out there. So it could turn out to be like Rogier. What's the closing five right now? If you include Rogier, what's the closing five? You think? Uh, Jaime at the three slash four with Jimmy. Oh, okay. 
would be my thought. Um, but if the team's smaller, you could throw Caleb Martin in there, uh, maybe for hero, you know, for de- defense in the playoffs. So that yeah, would be it's interesting. It's really hard to think of lineups right now that, like, it's crazy to think of a playoff closing lineup that doesn't involve Caleb Martin. And so I think Jaime kind of feels like the natural first person to cut, but Tyler's like that. We probably got to yeah. take you off the floor, regardless of how well you're playing right now. Yeah. Um, also, so. I want to throw out there just a, a small prediction, not even a prediction, just like an odds thing. I think between now and the deadline, the player most likely to be traded from the Miami Heat is Caleb Martin. Oh, yeah. It just He's feels gotta, like we don't want to give up the guys we have, and but we don't have the room for him at the same time. Well, and Caleb's like, gonna—I mean, he's got a seven million dollar player option that he'll definitely decline. He can probably get double that in free agency, yeah. and they're not oh, going to be able to re-sign him. So it could be one of those situations where it's better just to move him now and probably get like a vet on an expiring or, or something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Dang, interesting, man. Interesting but I love stuff. Caleb. I love Hero. I love the whole team. I hope they just stay together. That's that's always least, my at least for the rest standpoint. of the season. I'd love to just see this roster. Like that was the one move I wanted to see us make was just add a guard with some capabilities and some skills. And so I'd love to just see this play out for at least one season. Yeah. Before I forget, Lino, you hit on this as well, but I do want to give a a sincere shout out to Kyle Lowry. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, obviously the end, it didn't go how we all wanted, but he's had some great moments, big playoff moments for this team. Um, The season they got to the one seed, a lot of that was because Kyle was just running out there with G leaguers and and beating good teams, you know, with Orlando Robinson and Jamal Cain, because he he just knows how to put young guys in a position to succeed. And, and to speak to that as well, I think he empowered Bam. He definitely made Gabe Vincent, you know, the guy he is today. So Kyle was a great influence, a great pro, and really appreciate the time he spent with the team. So I definitely yeah, wanted to get that. He wants to come back on a minimum contract in the free agency. Hey. We'd Absolutely. love to have you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. As a guy who watches a lot of Miami basketball, I really don't like the way Kyle Lowry play. I'm glad he's gone. I don't give a damn about your nice send off. Get that shit out of here. Oh, my God. All that BS he do, like, all that, oh, you fell into me, Charge. Well, get that shit. Hey, he coaches, I hate baby. the way he plays, bro. Get yeah. out. I'm that, glad that was gone. my whole timeline today. It was everybody <laughs> hates Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have a fan in me, Kyle Lowry. Please subscribe. <laughs> Come on the pod. We'll do it. Anyway. So, we'll if you guys, home. if you guys are good, if you guys are good on the Rozier to Miami uh, talk, we have some time here, a little bit left to hit on some fun points that have kind of come onto our radar. Uh, one that we haven't hit on at all. It's pretty big news is Pascal Siakam was traded to the <laughs> Indiana Pacers, uh, which that happened like as we were recording last time. So that just hit us in a weird spot. Uh, we won't spend an, as nearly as much time on these things, but we did want to get into a little bit. Uh, Siakam traded to the Pacers from the Toronto Raptors in exchange for three first round picks. Two are going to be from this year. One, I believe is from 2026 uh, and Bruce Brown who uh, has a team option for next year, so almost an expiring contract. People believe Bruce Brown will get uh, some interest from contenders, uh, but will they be able to afford his contract? It remains to be seen. But Siakam on the Pacers, pretty exciting move, kind of an all-in move for Indiana. Lino, I'll throw it to you first. Just kind of general thoughts on this acquisition for the Pacers. Um, I liked it. You know, 
uh, it seemed pretty clear that obviously they needed to improve their um, front court situation and get a center who can maybe help bolster up their defense and maybe change up how some of the offense looks for them um, while still being able to maintain the offense that they have, which I think they can do with the rest of their players. I really like, and Siakam was kind of the best center on the market as far as the trade market. And so when it comes to trying to do something with what's available, I think it just made a lot of sense from that standpoint. I really like that, you know, from the trade pieces we saw, there was kind of a bunch of hubbub about the amount of picks and his expiring contract and his seemingly disdain for wanting to not be traded. Like he didn't seem to want to go anywhere. (laughs) Um, And so that has caused some issues with getting him traded, but finding out that, you know, two of the picks that they're trading are from this or for this upcoming draft. And this upcoming draft is pretty well known to be relatively weak. And two of those, some of those picks aren't even theirs. And so they'd probably be a little later in the draft and players that people don't really see a lot of great prospects in. If you're going to, you know, trade those chips in for Pascal Siakam, a known value that makes a lot of sense to me. And the fact that they get the bird rights to Siakam, whether or not they're going to be able to employ them in any way, like being able to make him an attractive offer is just probably the best scenario they have for retaining a free agent is being able to pay them the most money and also getting the experience of playing next to Tyrese Halliburton. So we'll see how it goes. But Kalen, uh, what were your initial thoughts? What were you thinking? And uh, what do you think at this time after seeing maybe a couple day, a couple games so far? Yeah, it's hard for me not to laugh at this. A foolish decision <laughs> from a foolish organization. Wow. This was, this was dumb. This was a dumb move. <clears throat> this is why teams like Indiana, that's why they don't win championships, guys. What the hell does Pascal Siakam do for your team? Where are they now as opposed to where they were before after trading three first-round picks? Are they ha- – have they gone from – what a, a first round exit team to what maybe a second round exit team? This this guy is six years older than their star. He's twenty nine. Tyrese is twenty three. Then they have guys younger than him, Jerace Walker and Benedict Matherin. That's that's the core of the team, guys. Look around. This is not hard. These small market teams make it look impossible to win. Just look at Denver. Look at what they did. They waited until they had a full grown. Uh, Jokic in his prime, one of the best players in this league, and they had a bona fide number two in Jamal Murray ready to go, and they had the playoff experience. They knew what they had. Then they made a move to get Aaron Gordon and KCP and Bruce Brown. That's when they made their big move. They didn't. They didn't say, "Oh man, Jokic is pretty good when he's 22." That's quite no. What are you doing? That's ridiculous. Look at the Orlando Magic. Is anybody pressuring them to trade three first round picks so they could go and? And what, losing the second round? They're fine. Their young pieces are fine. They're whatever, eighth, seventh, sixth in the, in the conference. They're fluctuating. They're fine. They're going to go into the playoffs, get some experience. They're going to get bounced in the first. If they have a nice round, they'll make it to the second. That's okay. Those guys are young. Tyrese is 23. He's, he's not been to the playoffs. You have Pascal Siakam. You go, you go this year, you're guaranteed to lose. Next year, what are you going to do? You're going to lose again. By the time Tyrese is a top five player, if that's where he goes, Pascal's going to be too old to help. You traded three of your first-round picks. Who's going to come there now? You have to trade, right? Because you can't draft and you, like, you can't sign for agents, right? So how are you going to do that when the time is right, when Tyrese is ready to win? 
right? You don't you you're wasting these assets. This is a waste, a complete waste. Seriously, like I just don't know how anybody could sign off on this. They're not better. Pascal Siakam's a nice player. You think the Pacers are better? Like they're gonna go to the conference finals now? Of course not. Of course hmm. not. They did Latel- lose to the Trailblazers. <laughs> like right after this, the trade. this was this was a <laughs> great. This was a ridiculous move. I, I did not like it at all. Man. Three picks for Pascal Siakam after the well, not after, but but before the Miami Heat get Terry Rozier for one pick. Are you kidding me? Three picks for this guy? No way. Hmm. No way. Man. Yeah. You came in hot, but I will say, as you kept talking, I was like, man, this is what was the rush? Because I I like this move for Indiana from a this year, just make our team slightly better standpoint. Lino alluded to there's two first round picks in this year's draft. You probably would have wanted to move those anyway. They're both going to be in the 20s. The one in the future, I'm with you. That's going to handcuff you a little bit for future moves. But I do like the ability that in this summer, now they're still going to be able to package together, I think, three picks, three swaps, Benedict Mather and Jarris Walker. Like, they could put together a good package well, for Why would Donovan, you do that? For Donovan Mitchell. This, no, the, the, Donovan Mitchell's a nice guy. Tyrese <laughs> is the star. He's the guy. He's the one who, who could potentially be a top five player and win you a championship. Donovan Mitchell is not going to win you anything. Tyrese is 23. Mm. Just, just, just wait. No, you don't I trade see. three first round picks to get slightly better. That's not that's not enough. That's that, but, we just we just made fun of Minnesota for doing that. But, but I mean, they're way better now. But so and and I know we don't have time to get into a whole debate. But if they wait, what if the the second or third best player on the next good Pacers team just doesn't come? I mean, they're not going to have a high draft pick. So if they're not trading for him and they can't get him in free agency, how do they get the second and third best player on this team? Um, I, that's why I'm gonna disagree with you because it's plenty of talent. The league about to expand to two more teams. If you don't know how to draft, you're in trouble. You can draft Jaime Hake as 19th, bro. Like you just have to draft, and it's gonna be okay. Tyrese is 23. Uh, LeBron, best player we've ever seen, didn't win until he was what 26, 27. Like it takes time. Like you just have to wait. And just draft, bro. Keep drafting assets. Like Pascal Siakam, not an asset. In, in, in a couple years from now, he's gonna be too old. Like if you if you hit on the draft and you develop these guys, if you, if you draft a, a Brandon Pajemski in three years when Tyrese is twenty six and he's ready to win, you can trade you can trade that trade that guy if he's good. And, and you know you could package that stuff together. Like there's gonna be more disgruntled players who are ready to move on, and there's gonna be more middling teams that are ready to trade some of their stuff and. Like, th- there's no there's no panic to, well, what if, mm. no, it's, it's going to be you fine. Know, this this actually, you remind me a lot of the situation in Atlanta a couple of years ago where, you know, they got super excited about the team they were putting together and they pushed all the chips in and it just seemed kind of fluky. And now they're kind of back to square one. I'm like, okay, we, you know, we feel like we pushed everything in and we got really, really weird results out of it. And right. so I do think there is just this sense of urgency. I mean, we see it with, the fans of other teams like, you know, Luke is also pretty young um, and it's funny because you watch, you know, as soon as they get drafted, I mean, even when we talk about the Spurs and you got to build something that can win around this guy right now, um, it is this sense of urgency you get once you feel like you found your blue chip guy and you just want to go. 
And sometimes that's not always the best decision. And so uh, it could be pretty early. It could be perfectly fine because I do think they will still have assets moving forward, especially like we mentioned, the two picks are uh, one of them isn't theirs and they still have some future picks to play around with and they have a lot of other talent they can move around when the time comes. And so would this extra draft compensation be helpful a couple of years from now and whatever picks you maybe made or other assets you traded for uh, at the draft? Um, would that be helpful for another move down the road? Yeah, but um, I could definitely see both sides of wanting to, you know, wait it out a little bit and see if there's something a little bit better than Pascal Siakam, which Kalen seems relatively low on. Uh, I am low on. I'm not a Pascal <laughs> guy. Not a I, not a ceiling raiser. He he doesn't change life for him. He's a nice guy, nice player, but doesn't really change change life for them. Yeah, no, that's good with me. And and like you guys said, it's it's a fun trade to discuss, and I think it makes them better, but was it worth what they gave up? So that'll be kind of what remains to be seen here. So if that's good with you guys, we'll be moving on to the next topic, which is kind of in the same vein as what we've been talking about. But there are two teams that we're interested to see, are they going to make some trades like we've discussed now? And those two teams are the Utah Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks. And Lino and Kalen have both kind of been looking into these teams and what direction they think they should or should not go into. Lino, on the Hawks, I want to throw it to you first and just kind of tell me what you've been seeing with this team and if you were had full autonomy there, what direction you would send them in. Yeah, I've been trying to watch the Hawks for the past week or so because, you know, we've played them a couple times just watching the Heat games and looking at the talent they have and a lot of the questions around, like, who to trade. And a few things really stand out for, you know, where they stand in the standings currently. It feels like DeJounte Murray is on the way out. You know, it feels like they're kind of shopping him and seeing what they can uh, find there. And so... I don't know that there's any trades out there that make them immensely better by trading DeJounte Murray. And so it kind of feels like they're going to do some form of a soft reboot, maybe try to retool rather than completely blow it up. And that feels like the direction that makes the most sense. I think moving moving on from Murray and maybe just trying a different type of guard or just a different guard uh, to go along with Trey Young moving forward uh, could at least yield some kind of uh, benefit. I think watching Clint Capella and kind of how this team operates around him, I feel like he's taken several steps back athletically as he continues to age. And it just feels like maybe it's time to not necessarily move him for assets. I'm not sure exactly what you can get for Clint Capella these days, but at least move, kind of do some addition by subtraction and get some of these young guys in here. Uh, maybe it says something about the young guys they have and, um, in their roster right now that none of them can seem to outplay Capella to get minutes, but it just feels like he's not necessarily adding what he used to add on either end of the court while really taking away minutes from some of the guys we maybe have more questions about. So ultimately, I think I would probably retool if I were them and see if they can just get some different energy in the room uh, around this uh, Snyder team and hopefully get some different pieces around Trey Young, who I think is still um, a good player to build around for now. Um, maybe not really? necessarily a 1A guy, but like I like him as like a 1B uh, or even a number two guy. Uh, Does he know he that? Get, like, <laughs> he probably doesn't. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> I watched this team for the past week without him, and yuck. 
<laughs> they managed to still beat us, which is miserable, but that's a whole other situation. Um, but watching them play the other night is just DeJounte Murray was like just doing everything that he could, but it's just nasty work watching this team try to operate without Trey Young. And so I think he does still bring a lot of great things on the offensive side of the ball and his ability to score and play make can be huge for a playoff basketball team, but it just can't be the pinnacle of talent on that team. So hopefully they can maybe package some of those together to get um, a guy or make space for a free agent. I'm not sure, but yeah, they're in a weird spot right now and it seems a little directionless currently. So hopefully they make a move that makes sense. Uh, Kalen, what do you think? Um, The Hawks are one of the most interesting teams in the league Mm -hmm. to me. I think that I'm not saying we, we should for sure think this way, but there's an argument. So we should look at small guards like running backs in the NFL in the sense of you just don't draft him high. I don't care how good he looks, how spectacular. Don't fall in love with that guy because history says if, if they're not Steph Curry or Isaiah Thomas, <clears throat> you're not going to win with them. It's just not going to happen. This, this league is about big, strong, athletic wings and Big guys, skilled big guys like Jokic and B. Okay, so they got Trey Young. And I was so glad, Lino, that you brought this up uh, in that last topic because when I was thinking about that Siakam trade, I was thinking about examples of how small market teams win. This is a great non-example of what not to do. Uh, When you brought up them going all in on that DeJounte Murray trade after that, uh, I mean, somewhat fluky run. They just kind of got some nice breaks <clears throat> to the conference finals. Uh, and they said, oh, man, we're actually pretty close. You're not even nowhere near, dude. Like You, you have a tiny guard, doesn't play defense, and he's, he's just he's young right now. Like hi- History says this guy's never going to win. If you look at his three-point percentages, he ain't nowhere near Steph Curry. Okay, so I think they're in trouble for that reason. You talked about building around Trey Young in, in the future. Uh, so I didn't answer the question. I, I think these guys should tear it down. Like, mm-hmm. Do not try to go back up. I think they should tear it down, seriously. Um, they're already going to trade DeJounte Murray. We've seen that. That's going to happen. Um, I like the Jalen Johnson kid, right? He's incredible, right? They, I mean, He's maybe keep him. <laughs> I mean, He's maybe keep good. him just for fun, but that's probably like one of your most valuable pieces. I'd probably deal him like quick, <laughs> to be honest. Um you touched on Clint Capella lean. I, I mean, he's just a warm body at this point. He's not, you know, he's fine, whatever. But Trey Young, in terms of you said build around him, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not. I'm going to cut my losses, right? I'm going to I'm gonna just Adrian Griffin that guy. Just rip the band-aid right off. Get him out of here. That's uh, tough because what are you going to get for him? But at this point, probably just make it to the offseason and – I would deal Trey Young. I really would. Um, and just start from rock bottom. They also have Bogdanovich. He has some value, certainly. Certainly, uh, mm-hmm. Bogey has a good amount of value. So, they they like, they like have, like, individual pieces. DeAndre Hunter would have value on the market. Like, they have individual pieces. They will net them picks to, uh, you know, in, in a nice return. I think it's, I think it's time. Now, they're not going to do that because that takes courage, and most of these teams are cowards. That's why I kind of just respect, even if it doesn't work out for Milwaukee, yeah, if it's respect – you're making a ballsy move, and these guys need to do that. They're not going to do it. Um, so that's that's Hawks basketball. It's a middling team, just not not serious. Uh, but am I am I am I going too hard on them, Micah? What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's really philosophical. If you look at the only thing that has value to an NBA team as a championship, then the Hawks should definitely tear it down. But if a couple second round appearances, maybe a conference finals appearance every once in a while, if you think that has value to fan bases, then you could keep going. Like Lino said, you know, that retool phrase is used a lot. And it sounds like that's kind of what they want to do with this DeJounte Murray thing. A, a slight step back this year and then hopefully kind of back to the same place next year with the assets they acquire. And and I think that's what it comes down to is just, you know, if you want to look at everything as championship or bust, which the best organizations usually do, then, yeah, they need to just probably trade Trey Young and trade everything that's not Jalen Johnson. But if you put value in other things, then, you know, you could look at it another way. Um, so on that point, that's a fair point, but let me give that a little more context. What the Pacers did with Paul George and Roy Hibbert uh, and uh, Lance Stevenson, those boys, going to battle with LeBron James in the conference finals and the semifinals every year, and they just couldn't get through, that's like that's a respectable like they that that team you know they fell short but in theory they had the pieces to win a championship right they had a good defense they had a star player they were well coached uh like it was a good team it didn't work out but that's fine especially for an indiana um having trey young as your star it's just not it's not serious basketball for me right so if they were to get to the playoffs a couple times and flame out like technically that's what Paul George did, but it's just, it's not serious. Like I don't. So for, for that reason, I wouldn't buy into it. Although I, I, I do respect the team that just builds a competent team that maybe could win, but they don't like that. That's fine. But with Trey young, it's not serious enough uh, for my taste. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I think what we all could probably agree on was the DeJounte Murray trade did not make a lot of sense at the time <laughs> and has looked worse every day. Because I think like if you put like Paul George beside Trey Young, like that might really work. Like you mm -hmm. have a big guy that can be a primary creator, but can play great off ball. Yep. Like, you know, you can hide Trey, but to bring another guard that doesn't weigh 200 pounds in the same backcourt with Trey, <laughs> regardless of what his wingspan or defensive reputation was in San Antonio, that was just doomed from the start. So I think, I'm in total agreement that they need to move DeJounte Murray. And I'd probably err more on the side of slight rebuild versus total, but definitely agree with what both of you guys are what saying. What did they initially give up for, <clears throat> excuse me, DeJounte Murray? I think it was four Too first much. and four, four Oh, no, 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 no. Like, it couldn't have been. No. It was oh at least God. three. The more we talk about four. this, the more we talk about this, the more off I am on the Siakam trade, honestly. <laughs> yes! You're related. <laughs> it's really starting to pull me back from feeling like that's a good idea. Just looking Whoa. at history. Uh, so you got a great point there. He's, um, he's too old. If Siakam was like 25 and Tyrese was 23, it'd be fine. But, yeah, you know. It, it, um, Excellent. So do we want to move on to the Utah Jazz and wrap up a little bit here? Yeah, I think we should. Get everything else on the Hawks. I do want to amend three firsts for DeJounte. Three firsts yeah, for DeJounte. Yeah, right. pretty, and they're now obviously not going to get three firsts back, so not, no. not equal value on the trade there. So, yes, the Jazz. Um, very fun team, especially lately since they put Colin Sexton in the starting lineup. They have been very good in the last two weeks. They're second in offense. 
uh, 17th in defense, which is an improvement overall. Uh, they've, they're 22nd on the year, but they have a lot of vets that are a big part of their success. So they're another team where it's like, do you keep these guys that are helping you be this fun, productive team, or do you move off of them because you don't really have your blue chip prospect in house yet? So Lino, I'll throw it to you first on this. Yeah, you know, with the Jazz, it just I wanted to bring up both of these teams in contrast because they can, are kind of in similar scenarios as far as middle of the pack. But, man, I feel so much better about the Utah Jazz as an organization, <laughs> as a team. Uh, obviously, they're on a hot streak right now. Well, they lost the last two since we brought up <laughs> this topic this weekend. Um, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. I want to say they won – 10 of their last 14 or something like that. Um, but they've really been able to put it together. It was a really rocky start to the season. And some of the guys were kind of underperforming. Walker Kessler took a bit of a step back to start the season. Uh, John Collins, obviously, is still was still trying to get his like bearings on this team. But when you look at this roster and the way that they play, there's so much talent here that really the only thing they're missing is the guy. You know, there's questions around, can Laurie Markkinen be the guy? I don't really think so, but I think he is a perfect 1B or a 2 player. And they've got Con Sexton, who's a perfect, like, third, like, energy guy, third best player in the team, really gets after it and is up to any channel, like, rises to the occasion constantly. Um, I just – and they've got the surrounding talent, like – John Collins kind of reminds me a little bit of like Aaron Gordon going to the Nuggets, like smaller role, um, but can make a huge impact. Like if he can take that and really run with it, I'm really excited for what this team can do. And so, but at the same time, in order to get that guy, you probably have to move somebody. And so I'm not exactly sure where they go from here in that way, but I really love the piece that they have, and I think they can move in the right direction. So do you guys have any ideas, Kalen? What do you think? I got you. I got you. Uh, I love the Utah Jazz, guys. I love this basketball team, man. I love their coach, Will Hardy. This mm-hmm. guy's coaching the sh- out of this team. Uh, and also, uh, Danny Ainge, he, it's not even that he's a genius. It's just not as hard. I'm telling you guys, these small market teams that complain, it's so hard, we can't win like comes here. They make it hard because they are very dumb. Look Look at this team. It's, it's not hard. Colin Sexton, you need a primary ball handler that can both shoot the three and break down defenses. Driving kick is like the number one way to score, okay? You need that. They have it. It helps if he's dynamic and athletic. He is, okay? If you have that guy, that guy probably is not going to be a good defender. That's how basketball is. That guy probably is not going to be an awesome defender, right? So the guy next to him in the backcourt needs to be able to guard. It's not hard. They have Chris Dunn there. It's perfect. He fits. not an awesome player. He's flawed. But you have a great coach, and he's coaching him up, and Chris Dunn's having a good season. You need at least one big man that can shoot, space the floor, doesn't need the ball all the time because they already have a ball handler, Laurie Marketing. It's not hard. Have a center who can play some defense to protect the rim. They have two. They put one on the bench. That was very smart. It's not hard. Oh, my goodness. This is a well-constructed team. The problem it is, it feels is like, – It feels like beautiful. <laughs> Look at that roster. Oh, it's, like, it's, it's, <laughs> they're not it winning feels, a ton of games, but I'm like, this just feels – 
It, it feels kids. genius. Yes, it, it makes Danny Ainge look like a genius because there are so many dumb teams that can't figure this out. I like, got. I got to give you a warning. If you get, if I hear one more Danny Ainge is a genius on this podcast, I'm cutting your feed. No, I can't, I, as a Heat fan, not, I can't hear it. I'm not saying he's a genius. I'm saying it, it, it looks and feels like he's a genius because of what he just came here and did. But it's not rocket science. He gave a guy who could score the ball. Gave somebody who can who can guard next to him. It's 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 not rocket science. Anyway, they're in a very tough spot, though, despite that I love this team. They're in a very tough spot because no one on the team is quite, like, good enough for, like, where they are, right? For a Colin Sexton is, you probably want somebody a little better in that spot, like Laurie Marketing. I-, I love Laurie, but, you know, it's kind of like the go-to guy on the team. It's not enough, and they're too good to get a blue chip. That being said, uh, Danny has done a really good job at collecting assets. If they can just keep this team this competent, okay, the NBA is unpredictable. This is like the most competitive NBA season of my lifetime. It's so tough to get wins. Uh, but the past two, three seasons were like anybody could win. Half the league is hurt. Like you never know, right? Stay competitive, I think, is the Utah Jazz play here. There's going to be a disgruntled superstar every single season, and that's like both offseason and midseason. Like, they can acquire somebody, okay, and they can go and compete, and, um, you know, maybe they won't be afraid to pull the trigger on a Kawhi Leonard-type rent a deal because if it wins you a championship, it's definitely always worth it in my opinion. I think the Utah Jazz, with the players they have and the assets they have, I think they just keep doing this for a little bit longer. Bide your time. Stay competitive. There's going to be a disgruntled star. You're going to trade for him, and you're going to find yourself second or first in the conference. Maybe you don't win a championship. That's okay. Maybe, but you're competitive, right? So I don't think blowing it up is the way to go here. It would hurt Mm. way too much to get rid of Lowry, get rid of Sexton. They have good players, dude. Like Mm. When uh, they were talking about shopping a little bit earlier in the season, I was like, please don't. I was like, this feels like a really good roster. It just needs yeah. some time. They needs have to, to consider they need it. To figure some things out. Um, but I think, yeah, I was watching them play OKC and they lost that game. But I was like, Jesus Christ! Imagine this team with SGA on it instead of going. They can trade John Collins if they want to. They can go ahead and that get rid. I'm good. sure they do. I'm sure they do want to trade John Collins. They can trade yeah, him. That's that fine. That was part of the conversation. Uh, but um, I was thinking, I was like, man, if they, if like, Ant Edwards just gets sick of playing in Minnesota. And he just like just demands a trade, like get me out of here. This is sickening, especially if they have a disappointing year this year. And you know, Utah Jazz picks up the phone, like, "Hey, we got six picks for you. We'll take them for. We'll give you year. all your picks back from the Gobert trade. <laughs> give us Ant. Um, yeah. You guys make some great points on this. One thing I do want to ask you guys because I feel like this is really important for this conversation. To me, it comes down to Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Olynyk. I think Taylor Horton Tucker, John Collins are on the trade block anyway. What? And then Colin Sexton. Because those are the guys that are going to take you from like sniffing the play in to like comfortably outside of it. And the reason I bring that up is Utah's first round pick is owed to OKC this year and it's protected one to 10. So if they want to keep their pick, they need a top 10 worst record. So it kind of is it behooves them to move off these guys to potentially try and keep that pick or they can let it go. It's projected one through 10 next year. 
one through eight in 2026, they could try and play it out more. But if you guys were the Jazz, would you try and make sure you keep that top 10 pick this year? Or would you, you know, want to go ahead and like get rid of it? Just give the the Thunder the 12th pick or something like that. Uh, yeah, Kalen, nah, I'll go to you first. No, nah, hell no. I'm not giving the Thunder nothing, man. I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing they did last year, compete, you know. Sit, sit some guys out. They'll have injuries. That that little rule the NBA came up, that ain't stopping nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just sit some yeah. guys out. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I guess there's not really a reason to make a huge push this year other than just making sure – just trying to evaluate talent on this team. Like, what can this team do? What can they put together? Um, mm-hmm. If it – I mean, again, this next draft class, there's going to be somebody – like, there's going to be one, two, maybe three players that really become something that nobody expected from this next draft. Right. But you it's might not find a blue like chip or year. Yeah, Tim. it's not like last the last draft. And so if they were to lose a pick, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. They end up giving up like the 15th, 16th pick and a draft full of mashed potatoes. I don't know that it matters too much. And so uh, I definitely just wouldn't trade out to tank right now like that just i would maybe even try to i would trade one of those guys if it got me another pick or something i was like i'm losing this pick let me just trade another one uh Mm -hmm. to somebody who's looking for expirings or just trying to beef up their bench rotation or something of that nature kelly olenek's been kind of awesome this year and somebody could probably use him so yeah uh, he's been huge for them yeah i to me i think if they trade away Clarkson and Olenek and replace pretty much all of their minutes with their two rookies, Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks. I think oh, that yeah. would do enough to get them a top 10 pick. And then you get let your rookies get some play time. But for me, that would be kind of the perfect balance. You don't have to move Sexton. Obviously, you keep marking in at all costs. And then you let your rookies play, kind of knowing that's going to play you into the lottery, hopefully. You want, you want them to keep John Collins? No, they got to keep Olenek. He's, like, perfect for Utah. He's awesome there. They got to trade John Collins out of there. <laughs> the, the hell are they doing with John Collins? I, I think they'd love to on that contract. Get that brother to safety. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you out of there, John Collins. I'm going to get you out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Irrational Confidence Podcast. This was probably the most fun episode yet. A ton of great news in this one. And we love talking about it with each other and really hope you enjoyed tuning in and checking it out. As always, check us out on YouTube at Irrational Confidence and on TikTok at Irrational Confidence Pod. I'm sure there will be some very fun TikToks coming for this one. So for myself, Micah, and Kaylin and Lino, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time.